Hey, uh, if you didn't know it, it's Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Pentecost Sunday happens 50 days after Easter. And uh, so here's, uh, I'm just going to get into it because I want to I wanna get to the end so we can, and some of you are like, thank God he wants to get to the end. <laughs> we're going to start off with the end in mind. That's how the Lord does it, so we're going to do it that way. Uh, here's the prophecy from Joel chapter 2 that uh, the Lord gave the prophet He said, and afterward, verse 28, and afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Say, all people. Can I just say this is not an exclusive thing? Amen, Pastor Jeff. (laughs) This is not an exclusive thing only meant for a certain group of people in a certain demographic or a certain place. This is for all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. How many of you are a son or a daughter? Your old men will dream dreams. Now, I'll let you decide, but how many of you are old men? <laughs> you, can, you can decide that. But I'll tell you, if you start having prophetic dreams, you know you're old. Your young men will see vision. Some of you are in the young man category. Even on my servants, both men and women. How many of you are women? Don't you love that God is not exclusive to men? We need our ladies, and we need them to be full of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit on those days. It was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, about 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, uh, sorry, verse, uh, yeah, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, so that's a feast of the Jews, if you didn't know. This is a, a feast of first fruits, and so it's, it, the Jewish people would be feasting today. Instead, we're feasting on the Lord. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly... There was a sound from heaven like, the ro- like a roaring mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That is the day of Pentecost. That's what we celebrate this morning. The day of Pentecost when the church was born that day. In fact, if you know the story, you can read about it later on in Acts. Uh, as, as the people that were there in the city gathered for the feast heard the, the people speaking, some in known languages, some in unknown languages, they began to be convicted, the Bible says, and they were cut to the heart by what the Spirit was saying through those believers that day. And 3,000, 3,000 gave their heart to Christ And the church was born that very day. Here we sit 2,000 or so years later with a lot of misunderstandings about what the Holy Spirit is, who he is, how he lives and works in the lives of a life of a believer to the, to the point that many churches in the Western, uh, Christian, Western Christianity, if you will. So, so modern postmodern Western Christianity have begun to relegate the Holy Spirit to the sidelines of the, of the people of God, as well as in their own personal lives. It's very tragic, and a lot of it is because of some of the things that over the years people have begun to believe. Some people believe the Holy Spirit is just a mystical force which kind of floats around in and out of services and the lives of the believer, and you know, if we do it just right, then the Holy Spirit will come in the room, but if, man, if we miss it by one song, he's out, like he's fragile. Some people think he's some impersonal force that God just sends throughout the earth to do his bidding. 
Many who believe in him believe that he exists and that he was here 2,000 years ago, but somehow when the apostles left, he took off too. Some people think he's fragile. Some people think that he only works spontaneously. Some people think that his work is only flamboyant and outward and spectacular. Can I just say, that's not usually just the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's just the personality of the person. How many of you are with me? Like, like if you're kind of a nutty, weird, kind of crazy person, guess what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be a little weird. That's just you. It's all right. Let's not blame him for people's personalities. That was funny. <laughs> We're gonna get t-shirts that say that someday. Amen. See, the Bible talks a lot about the inner work of the spirit, not just the outward manifestations of his presence. Did you hear me? I love the outward manifestations of his presence. I love the way that he moves in the hearts of people. We just experience outward manifestations or moving of the spirit of God. But you know what I love more than that? I love the deep work that he does inside of me. Because I need transformed more than I need to jump around and hop. Right? And so do you, just if you're wondering. Some people think that he's safe and gentle like a fuzzy little teddy bear. And he can be gentle, but he can also drive your spirit. He can also drive your heart to places that you didn't think about or weren't interested in going. I, I think about Luke chapter four, when the spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness. Many people are afraid of the Holy Spirit and unsure of his work to the point, as I mentioned, that they avoid him. They give him very little room to work in his lives. And I'll just tell you, in five years traveling the Indiana District Assemblies of God, uh, I would say in nine, time, nine churches out of 10, the Holy Spirit is not allowed to move. He's pushed to the side. I don't know what they would do if a sovereign move of God happened. Because we're so out of practice in leading and moving with the Spirit of God that when he shows up demonstratively, we're not sure what to do. May that never be said of this church. May we know how to move and flow and work with the Holy Spirit in partnership in our services, but in the world as well. Two books I'll recommend to you if you're just not sure about this whole thing. Some of you are like, I didn't even know I walked into a Pentecostal church. You did. So two books I'll recommend to you. I will not give them away for free, but if you want to pick them up, you can. One is called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. It's an incredible book about the Holy Spirit. I love it. It's very practical, down to earth, about how he works and moves in our lives. So good. And the other one is called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. Uh, is a powerful, powerful book, especially for folks that uh, are just kind of diving into what the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives. See, we're really comfortable with a God who sits on the throne. We're really comfortable with Jesus who died on the cross. We're just not sure to do with this dude called the Holy Spirit. What do we do with this guy in our lives? So here's what, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you four questions. Ready? Four, four questions we can ask about our life and our work with the Holy Spirit. So here's the first one. Who, who is the Holy Spirit? This is the longest point, so I'm just warning you now. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first, he's God. 
The Holy Spirit is God. He is one of three equal parts of the Godhead. He is not subservient to God the Father or subservient to Jesus. He is equal in Godness. I don't know if that's a thing. He is equal in, here's a better way, divinity. He is equal in divinity to God the Father and God the Son. He is no more less or, or no more or less God than any of the others. And here's how we see him. He's active in the Old Testament. The Bible says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the earth before creation. In the Old Testament, he came upon some of the prophets and the warriors and the people assigned to special and specific tasks. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit, usually for a moment or for a a season of time in their lives. He was engaged in worship in the books of poetry and the Psalms. He led the leaders of Israel, Moses and the 70 elders. When they walked around the, the camp and prophesied, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. But the difference is he never indwelt people that called on God. He hadn't been given in that way yet. But in the New Testament, we see him at Jesus' baptism. He descended as a dove. In fact, people that are Jesus only or uh, reject the idea of the doctrine of the Trinity, just point them to the baptism of Jesus, where we have Jesus in the water, God speaking from heaven, this is my son, and the Holy Spirit descending upon him. All three are right there in one picture. There you go. That'll help you when you argue with oneness people. Maybe you don't argue with oneness people. He's active in the Old Testament. We see him at the, uh, in the testimony of John the Baptist in Mark chapter 3, verse 11. He, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me is coming one who is more powerful than I. And in just a few more verses, he said, look, that's the guy that I was talking about right over there. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was put upon the disciples after Jesus' resurrection. Remember when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He, was filled, he filled those in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He was clearly active in the early church. All over the early church in the book of Acts, we see evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Have I convinced you yet that he's been active in our world? I won't beat a dead horse. Here's where it gets sticky for some people. We see the activity of the Holy Spirit in the church age. From the moment it was born on the day of Pentecost to this very day, Jesus or the Holy Spirit has been active in the church. He's always been active since he's been giving. There have been pockets of revival and empowerment documented all throughout church history. Even in the dark ages, there was moving of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't believe me, I got another book for you. It's called Church History in Plain Language. It's 900 pages long, so really pray about that one before you buy it. But it's a fascinating look at the history of the church and how the church has active, been active with the Holy Spirit and the power of God all throughout history, even when we thought he wasn't. And in these last days, he's been poured out like Joel prophesied again since around 1904. But really, it was beginning to build steam in the decades prior. I just want you to know that he's God and that he's active. What else is the Holy Spirit? Who else is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's the counselor. You need some wisdom and some advice? He's the counselor. He's the comforter. You need some peace in your life and struggling with those things? He's the comforter. He is the guide. He helps us live holy lives, live after God and follow his will for our lives. He's the great convictor. Here's how I know the work of the Holy Spirit didn't cease with the apostles. How many of you are saved today? 
Praise the Lord. I, I pray for you that aren't saved today. But if you are saved today, you're only saved because the Holy Spirit is the convictor of sin. Jesus is not the convictor. He was the sacrifice. God is not the, God the Father is not the convictor. He's the one who actually writes off the thing. But it's the Holy Spirit who convicts our heart. So without though, if he left in the first century, nobody could be saved. Are you with me? So you got, you folks from a Baptist background, you've been taught your life, you know, the Holy Spirit left or whatever. Uh-uh. Because if, if that happened, you couldn't be saved. Because John, John 16, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And without, and Jesus, that's why Jesus said, it is better for you if I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. He's like better for you than me. I mean, think about that. I mean, you're going to tell Jesus he's wrong? <laughs> So I'm just saying, like, if you struggle with, like, that, the, that the Holy Spirit's active today in, in his fullness, if that was true, then you and I couldn't be saved today because we would have no conviction of sin. He's the convictor. He's the truth revealer. He cuts through with discernment in our lives so that we know the truth about situations. He's the inhabitor of all believers. Just so you know, if you're worried about it, if you're saved today, I won't take another poll. He's already living inside of you. He takes up residence in our lives, in our hearts at the moment of salvation. He's the teacher of all things. He is the fire baptizer. He is the producer of fruit in your lives. That's why they call it in Galatians 5, the fruit of the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of Jesus. I just want, it's distinct. You with me? Are everybody with me? It's the fruit. He's the fruit of the spirit. He is the purveyor of spiritual gifts. There's 28 spiritual gifts found in the New Testament all over the place, not just in 1 Corinthians, but in several other places. He's the one who gives the gifts. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9 that the spirit of God gives the gifts of the spirit to those he wishes at the times he wishes. It is the Holy Spirit's sole job to give and distribute the gifts of the spirit of God. That's not, my, that's not my idea. That's his idea. He, and lastly, he's the empower. He, he, is, he is the one that gives us the power to do the work of the kingdom of God in our, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, and around the world. He's the great empower. Okay? Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's all those things. I won't recap that. <laughs> Second question, how can I get to know the Holy Spirit personally? Well, one, he already lives inside of you, so it's pretty easy. He already lives in you, so what do you do? Well, you welcome him into your life every day. How about when you get up in the morning, even before you get your coffee? I get it. That was a joke. <laughs> even before you get your coffee, Holy Spirit, I just welcome you into my life. I don't want to live today without your leading and without your guiding, without your counseling and without your empowerment. I don't want to live this day like that because if I do, I will mess it up, I promise. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. What if you just did that every single morning? Number two, how do we get to know the Holy Spirit? Realize that the relationship you have with him is not benign, but is active. That he wants to be active in your life. He actually wants you to ask him what you should do. He wants you to allow him the honor of leading you and showing you the way to walk and what to do, how to live. Number three, how do you know him? Refuse to buy the myths, the inconsistencies, and the goofiness. Everybody with me on that one? 
I want you to know him experientially for yourself, not just theologically, but I want you to experience him, but I don't want you to let all the stuff you've seen, all the excesses you've seen, people that got out of hand and out of line somewhere in your life or something you saw on TV, I don't want to let those things get in the way of you having experiences with the Holy Spirit. You need to have those experiences for yourself. So refuse to allow those things and other people's excesses to turn you away. And lastly, be filled, be baptized in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit regularly. We'll get to that again in a moment. How do you know the Holy Spirit personally? Those things. Third question. Third? Is it third? Yeah. How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Since we said in number four, be filled or baptized. Well, here it is. Five steps to be filled. Number one, be saved. If you're not saved, you need to get saved first because uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent thing that happens after salvation. So you can't receive the baptism in the way that, if you read the book of Acts, there are these guys called the seven sons of Sceva. Ever heard of them? They wanted all the power, but without the sacrifice. They asked Paul and the apostles, can we get this power too? And all they wanted was the spectacle. They didn't want to actually give their life to Christ. There's other people, there's others in the book of Acts like that. Uh, There was a prophet who did the same thing and tried to buy the gift from the apostles. Well, look, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, first you got to be saved. Second, stop seeking the gift of tongues. Stop asking God to let you speak in tongues. I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to have the heavenly language, but seek the baptizer, not the gift. Jesus is the baptizer. Seek the baptizer, not the experience. I think that's a mistake a lot of young young people make. They just want to speak in tongues because we believe in our fellowship that that is the initial evidence. It's the first thing. Can I just say initial means first, but not only? First, but not only. And dare I say, not even the most important. Can I say that? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I can say it because it's true. It's, it's, it's not the most important. So I want you to speak in tongues and there's power. That's a different sermon. Man, there is power in speaking in your heavenly language. But that's, let's not seek that. Let's seek the baptizer. Number three, do not doubt. Too many folks psych themselves out of receiving the baptism because they believe that they're going to have a counterfeit experience like they're going to fake it and not know that they faked it. Or that somehow the devil's going to trick them into speaking in tongues. Can I just say that's not going to happen because the most powerful weapon we probably have against the devil is our heavenly prayer language. He is not going to like give that to you. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So you just don't have to doubt. You just say, God, this is the gift you want me to have. You want to put this into my life. I'm not going to doubt it. I'm going to believe that the experience I have with you as you fill me and enable me to speak in another, in another tongue, that that's going to be genuine and authentic. And God will honor your faith. Do not doubt. Number four, yield to the Lord. Surrender those things that he's asked for. Sometimes you'll come and ask the Lord, God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he will say, yeah, but man, your attitude stinks. Or there might be a couple of things of fear or inhibition that he wants to kind of move out of the way so that he can fill you in the fullness. Does that make sense? So as the Lord brings that up to you, or as he speaks that to you, just yield to it. And, and just for a few, look, here's the thing. Desire the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit more than you desire to hold on to those things. 
Desire him more than you desire those things and yield to him. All right. All right. Number five, (laughs) relax. Super practical. Just relax. So in just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning or be refilled with the Holy Spirit if it's been a long time. And my number one piece of advice to you, chill out. Like it's okay. Many of you will come and God will instantly just fill you with the Holy Spirit and you'll, you just won't have any trouble. Some of you, it'll be a work in progress and you'll have to work on it either this morning or maybe multiple other times to ask God to fill you. I've seen it. I've seen people struggle with it for years. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. I don't know why God does that. But I can tell you this. If you get uptight about it, you'll have a really hard time because you got to get out of your own head to receive from the Holy Spirit. But so just relax and receive. Like it's not a competition, right? We're not in a race. Who can speak in tongues the fastest, you know? (laughs) We just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I know him? Be filled with the Spirit. How do I be filled with the Spirit? All those things I just gave you. Fourth question, is this the fourth question? Okay. How can I stay full of the Holy Spirit? So this is probably one of the greatest difficulties in the life of a seasoned believer. We get super comfortable in our walk with God. We get mature in our theology and our understanding about God. And little by little, we believe that we become smarter than the Holy Spirit. And we lose our dependence on him. That's why Paul, so like Paul, like the greatest Christian maybe who ever lived, said, guys, You got to keep in step with the spirit. You got to stay filled with the spirit. You got to make sure you stay connected to this thing that is power. So how do you do that? How do you stay full of the Holy Spirit? Number one, pray in the spirit. Oh, my goal is my personal goal. I don't always succeed, but it is my personal goal. I'll tell you, I succeeded a lot more driving an hour and 15 minutes to my office. I have, I have. My goal is to pray in the spirit 15 minutes every day. Just solid, just man, whatever. I'll tell you, man, it makes a huge difference in your life when you just yield yourself to praying in the spirit. You're going to find yourself, you're more victorious over places of temptation. You're, you're stronger where you used to be weak. I mean, you're going to find the power of the Holy, you, you know things that you shouldn't know, you know, about situations or about people or whatever. So you're going to find, if you'll just begin, guess what that takes? Discipline. Because every morning at 7.15, when I get in my little red car to drive up here, I'm not really thinking about the Holy Spirit yet. I'm just being honest, right? So it takes discipline to speak and to pray in, the, in, in your heavenly prayer language every day. But it makes a difference. He that, 1 Corinthians says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. You want to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, get out of the gutter, get out of the doldrums, get out of the feelings that you're in, baby, pray in the spirit. He'll do great things if you will. Pray in the spirit. Number two, give him access to your life for his purposes. What's the spirit's first name? What? Holy. Holy. So guess what? You want to stay full of the spirit? Move yourself towards being holy and righteous before the Lord. Cut out the things 
that are hanging on. What's the Bible say in Hebrews 12? Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. It's easy, guys. Look, it's all of us. It's easy for all of us to get entangled in sin. But the Spirit helps us in our weakness, right? So we can move towards holiness. It's not his primary role in our life to move us towards holiness because so much of that is also self-discipline. But he is asking us in our heart to yield to him so that he can help us be more holy and be more righteous. Number three, how do I stay full of the Holy Spirit? Pray in the Spirit, give him access. Number three, be Spirit-spilled. Be Spirit-spilled. I love the story in Acts chapter 3 of Peter and John walking by Gate Beautiful, and they say to the beggar, what do they say? Silver and gold have I none. And if you drive a car, you can relate. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Which is better? Which is better? Be spirit spilled in your life. Give away what you have. Empty yourself of the spirit's power every day. Take every day as an opportunity to be the spirit of God to somebody else. And so that you give it away so that tomorrow morning you actually have depleted tanks so that he can refill them. Amen. Jesus said on the last and greatest day of the feast, I think it's in John 7, he said that if you will come after me, if you're thirsty, I will fill you with living water, flowing water. If you want the water to keep flowing, you got to keep emptying. Right? Be spirit spilled. And lastly, continually ask to be refilled daily as part of your prayer time. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. So I think it's very cool. I think it's very cool that the Holy Spirit's purposes in this world today are the very same purposes that they were on the day that he poured out the Spirit on the world. It is to help us be the men and women of God he's called us to be. It's to help us be witnesses in the world. He says this in Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said before he ascended, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in Morocco and in South America and in greater Lafayette to the ends of the earth. I mean, what would happen if in two weeks we show up for mega sports camp and kids don't just learn how to play soccer, but we see families be healed? I mean, what would happen if we, we lived our lives spirit spilled all through mega sports camp? Or how about tomorrow at your job? Or how about when you go back to school in the fall? What if we learned how to live our lives full of the Holy Spirit to be given to a dying world? Worship team, if you want to come, I have one more question for you. I told you I had four, but I lied. I have five. (laughs) Why should I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why should I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, one, it's the natural progression. It's like the normal thing that should happen subsequent to being saved. All through the Bible, they are saved and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and usually baptized in water at the same time. I love the story of Acts chapter 18. Apollos goes to Ephesus and he teaches some great things and, and, and there's a church, establishes a church in Ephesus and it's a powerful church and doing great things for God and whatever. In fact, if you read the, uh, if you read the, uh, uh, the revelation, the words that Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, I mean, overall it was a really great church, powerful church. 
Apollos leaves and Paul shows up in Acts chapter 19, like the next verse. And he says, the Bible says he found some believers in Ephesus and he said to the believers, oh, so glad that you're believers. Have you yet received the Holy Spirit? Meaning, oh, you've been saved, you've been baptized. Oh, guess what's next? The Holy Spirit. It's natural. And they said to him, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, none of you can use that excuse. So it's just a natural progression. Number two, the only church, and I would say this, the only believer in the New Testament is a spirit-filled and spilled believer. There is no other kind of church in the New Testament except the spirit-filled church. I mean, I think that's awesome. You are sitting in a church that is the most like the first century church that exists out there. Not just our church. I mean, there are other churches like ours. I'm just saying there is no non-Pentecostal church in the Bible. There's no Christian churches. There's no Presbyterian churches. There's none of those things. And if you read that book, I told you, you'll learn all about that and where that came from. But the church in the New Testament was a spirit-filled church, right? How many of you want to be in a New Testament church? I do. Spirit-filled. That means we're going to be spirit-filled. Number three, why should you be filled? Uh, Holiness and righteous living and liberty and freedom can come your way in a greater way than ever before. Greater way than ever before. Number four, by the way, I want to reiterate, just because you're filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that, that you will be sinless. And it doesn't mean that you won't even have things that you have to fight through. Because you probably will. Man, wouldn't you rather fight with the power of the Holy Spirit in you than fight by yourself? Yes. Amen. Number four, why should you be filled? Because there's access and anointing for spiritual gifts that come with the infilling of the Holy Spirit that come no other way. There's a power that comes into your life and an anointing that can come on your life, access to the things of God in a way that that non-spirit-filled people just frankly, and I'm not saying they're second class in the kingdom of God, I'm just saying they flat out don't have access to all those things. You can argue with me about that later if you don't agree with me, but it's just true. It's what I see experientially and it's what I see in the Bible. When the Holy Spirit is filled in a believer, There's access and anointing that does not exist otherwise. And lastly, and the primary purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is empowerment for building the kingdom of God. It's empowerment for doing all the things that God has planned for you to do before the world was created. It's empowerment, as benign as it may sound, to be a great usher, to be a great worship person, to be a deacon, to be somebody who works with our kids, to work with our youth, to serve your community. Man, when you walk around spirit-empowered and spirit-spilled, there is nothing impossible for you for the kingdom of God. I want to warn you, it's not for your glory. It's not so people can be impressed with your skills. It's not so you can build a mega ministry and be famous. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is something that he puts in our lives and on our lives so that we can hide behind it. Let God do the work and let God have all the glory. That's the hard part. When God anoints you like that. So I'll reiterate to you, that's why we have to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Because you know, you know who the best one is to, to humble you besides your wife? 
the Holy Spirit. He's, he, he does it with such love and compassion, but such conviction. He keeps us straight. Amen? So here it is. Just stand with me. Wherever you're at, just stand all over the room. The promise, I'll remind you, the promise is for you. It's for all people. It's for sons and daughters. It's for men and women. It's for every color. It's for every race. It's for every socioeconomic situation. In fact, I would say in all of society, the power of the Holy Spirit is probably the only place where all those walls and all those dividers fall away because he is for all people. And he is for you. He wants today you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I will say the first thing that he tends to do, and we see this in the book of Acts, is he's, he infills you and then he helps you speak in another language. I know, I don't know why he picked it. I had to pick something else. I think the tongues of fire was pretty cool, you know? So I just need you to not be intimidated by that. Remember point number five about that, just relax. It's up to him to do the baptizing and the filling, not you, right? So if you wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time ever, you've been saved, but you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or maybe it's just been a long time. And, and if you're honest with yourself, you've not really practiced it. You've not really let it become part of your life. You've not really you know, lived filled and spilled and all that stuff. And today you just realize, man, in this world we live in, like never before in this world we live in, do we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Like never before. If you want that, we're gonna sing a song. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask you to come forward. Just stand around, don't kneel, just stand. They're gonna sing a song. While they sing it, you come forward. If you wanna be filled or refilled. And then after they sing, I'm gonna come back and we're just gonna ask God in a moment to fill you. We're gonna make it not hard, not weird. I'm not gonna grab you and shake your ears or anything like that. I'll just spit on you and then you'll be distracted, so. I'm not gonna blow on you like Benny Hinn. I'm not gonna do any of that. We're just gonna ask God simply and easily to fill you, all right? So they're gonna sing, sing, and come on down. Just come. This is a great moment. If you wanna be filled or refilled, come on down. Kids, youth, young people, old people, members for everybody, old people, come on, men, women, come on. You wanna be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit? You've never been filled before. As they sing, come on. Just lift your hands and begin to worship the Lord.